All right, we are live. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of Judging a Book by Its Cover. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Josh. And on this podcast, we judge a book solely by its cover, its summary, and the first paragraph. And based off off that information, we have to figure out if we would actually buy the book and if it's worth reading. Exactly. We try and figure out the ending of the book. And uh, typically we go to Amazon.com, right? The website of Satan. And we find the best books of the week as provided by Amazon's editors. So I like to think that it's just Jeff Bezos. Just, just his, Jeff Bezos. Yeah. His books he's reading right now. Right. His personal collection of where he's just like on his private island just reading going, hmm, I exploit workers. Yes, these books are nice though. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we actually get into the books, Matt, let's uh, talk about the most important book, the, the book of life. The book of life indeed. So we're essentially just going to judge the book of life by its cover, you know. How's uh how's the book of life uh going for you, Matt? Oh, you know, college has got me busy and and uh just trying to um just trying to enjoy media and uh not go insane from all the stuff I'm having to do for university. What about yourself, Josh? Pretty much the same boat, you know. I'm at the same school you go to just taking business classes versus uh what's your major again? English. English. Um but yeah, I'm taking like social media optimization classes <laughs> and entertainment marketing. So it's like, it sounds easy, but it's uh, it's a lot of work at they're, the end of the day. They're like, look at brand Twitter and don't do that because the world's already bad enough as it is without brand Twitter going on. <laughs> what stage capitalism are we in? With I don't Twitter? know. It's getting pretty late. <laughs> um, okay, so today we are, we looked on Jeff Bezos's personal blog, which is Amazon.com, <laughs> and we found um, two books that piqued our interest. And why don't you go ahead and start us off with the first book, Josh? All right. So the first book is called Daisy Jones and the Six, a novel. Ooh, who a are novel. the six? The si- we're about to find out. I think, <laughs> uh, Daisy's one of them. Right. No, she. There's seven. And Daisy's one of the seven, and then there's six others, right? So, like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, it's Daisy and the six, what? Band members. Band members. Looks like band members. It says, uh, a gripping novel about the whirlwind rise of an iconic 1970s rock group and their beautiful lead singer, I assume Daisy Jones, Mm -hmm. revealing the mystery behind their infamous breakup. Wow. We already know they broke up. Now, uh, something special about this book, it's included on Reese Witherspoon's book club, uh, Reese's book club and the Hello Sunshine book pick. Wow. I would like to think it's not Reese Witherspoon's book club, but the guy who owns Reese's Pieces book club. Like he has his own book club and he picked this feminist book, Daisy Jones. All right. So that's... (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, the, we're going to try to describe the cover to you, uh, seeing as podcasts are like an audio form. Right. Part of the challenge is describing the cover to an audience. So one one might say half the fun. One might say no fun at all. We, we're about to find out. That's for sure. <laughs> so actually, it's looking like Belle from Twilight. Right. Pale skin. Very pale. Um, kind of rosy lips. Definitely rosy lips. Hmm. Um. Daisy's got like brown brown hair. Um, it's just uh, the girl's face, Daisy's face, and her hair. Right. And that takes up like 
hundred percent of the it, cover. But it could also be another of the band members. It could be a number of, of the six. It could be number three. Right. It, it could be, and that would be really misleading. Right. It, it's and she's got like half. So like her eye on her right hand side is covered up by shadows, which um, could be a possible theme. Um, she's half blind to the injustices that the band permits or promotes or something. Um, it does say a novel in the corner. Right. In case you didn't know that you're That's reading part a novel. Of the title actually. Right. It's a novel. Right. It's just it, in case you weren't aware. But so so what about the the author? What's the author's name? Uh, yeah, I'd be remiss if we didn't mention the author of the book, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Um, I didn't know this, but uh, they're also the author of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Wow. You know, Seven Husbands. That's a uh, quite. It's a, almost like there's a theme. Right. Here. It's it's the number. It, it's like she watched. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and she's just like, I'm going to pick a name and a number, and then that's the titles of my book. I think there's also a Seven Brides for Seven Brothers right. uh, theme going on. It's very <laughs> uh, coincidental. Right. So, so what's what, what's more of the summary? Give us some more of the uh, summary of the book. Yeah, it's, let's look at that, shall we? Everyone knows Jay-Z Jones and the Six, but nobody knows the reason behind their split at the absolute height of their popularity. Until now. Ooh, we even got a dot, dot, dot before that until now. <laughs> yeah, I want to meet the person who wrote this. Daisy is a girl coming of age in L.A. in the late 60s, sneaking into clubs on the Sunset Strip, sleeping with rock... I thought she was a rock star herself. Anyway, sleeping with rock stars and dreaming of singing at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Uh-oh. The sex and drugs are thrilling, but it's the rock and roll she loves most. By the time she's 20, her voice is getting noticed... And she has the kind of heedless beauty that makes people do crazy things. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. All right. So Daisy's this really up-and-coming singer. She meets Billy, uh, Billy Dune. Um, So let's see. So, okay, the six is the band led by Billy Dune, and they meet up. um, Oh, my gosh. I'm reading this. On the eve of their first tour... His girlfriend Camilla, Camilla finds out she's pregnant, Uh-oh. and with the pressure of impending fatherhood and fame, Billy goes a little wild on the road. A little wild on the road, nice. <laughs> so, so what I'm getting from this, just the cursory glance of what we've read so far of the summary, is that Daisy is a groupie, possibly, or quite, quite possibly a groupie, quite possibly like a love interest that he meets, maybe a fan. Right? That doesn't quite go on the road with them. Let's read on a little more and we'll get the maybe a little more insight. So Daisy and Billy cross paths when her producer realizes that the key to supercharged success is to put the two together. What happens next will become the stuff of legend. So a um, a star is born right. kind of so, situation. So two two stars are born and then they get together and then one becomes sad because he's not a pop star. I think so. Quite possibly. The making of that legend is chronicled in this riveting and unforgettable novel, written as an oral history of one of the biggest bands of the 70s. Taylor Jenkins Reid is a talented writer who takes her work to a new level with Daisy Jones and the Six, brilliantly capturing a place and time in an utterly distinctive voice. Hmm. So it's kind of, um, I don't know, egotistical to say that it's a legend. When she came up with it, I don't know. 
But I mean, it, I mean she could be legendary. It got picked for Reese's book club. Right. That's, that's some... it, pretty pretty hard vetting process, apparently. You know, it goes through a lot of hurdles that they There's have to jump through. There's a lot of rigor. Right, exactly. So why don't we uh, read the first paragraph of the look inside to see if Daisy Jones and the Six is indeed for us. Elaine Chang, biographer, author of Daisy Jones' Wildflower. Here's what's so captivating about Daisy Jones, even before she was Daisy Jones. You've got a rich white girl growing up in L.A. She's gorgeous, even, a, <laughs> excuse me, even as a child. She has these stunning big blue eyes, dark cobalt blue. One of my favorite anecdotes, anecdotes about her is that the, in the 80s, a color contact company actually created a shade called Daisy Blue. She's got copper red hair that is thick and wavy and takes up so much space. And then her cheekbones almost seem swollen. That's how defined they are. And she's got an incredible voice that doesn't even, that she doesn't cultivate. Never takes a lesson. She's born with all the money in the world, access to whoever she wants, artists, drugs, clubs, anything and everything at her disposal. Wow. So I'm assuming it's like a frame story, right? So I'm assuming within the frame of the novel, it is this interview. It's constantly this interview with um, Elaine Chang, right? Was the character's name? Elaine? Yeah, biographer. Right. She's biographer. a bi- So I'm assuming she's a biographer pretending to write the story of Daisy Jones, right? I'm assuming it's kind of like that. Um, maybe. So we got the we got the the we got the description wrong on the front cover. Apparently, the brown hair is actually red. Yeah, yeah. Is it red though? It looks pretty brown. It's the lighting. It's probably the lighting. Yeah, definitely. But so in this in this novel, right? What kind of crazy hijinks do you think Daisy Jones and the Six and Billy? As well, we found out one of the characters' names, Billy. What do you think they get up to? And how do you think she explains that to Elaine? Well, I think that they all go on a quest to destroy this monster that's invading their town. Really? Yeah. It's taking over L.A. Um, it hides in the sewers. <laughs> and they have to defeat it using the, their, their power together. Right. And um, I, I, for some reason, I'm like seeing this in my head. <laughs> There's a scene where they um, they defeat the monster and then they they well to consummate the the victory over the monster. They all engage in um, fornication. Right. So 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 in the novel, Elaine is just uncovering this. I'm sorry. I just explained like the ending of, of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Elaine is. Um, Elaine is equivalent to Stephen King, right? So it's so the entire novel is an allegory. Yes, it's an allegory for Stephen King writing it. Writing it, right? And Elaine is actually so hopped up on cocaine while writing it, which is it is Daisy Jones and the Six, right? Yeah. yeah. So so can we say that Elaine Chang isn't only an an, an like isn't only analogous with Stephen King, but it's also what the author of Daisy Jones and the Six, a novel, wants to be. That that's some uh, something to chew on, Matt. Right. Think about that one for a little while. So we instead of it being fiction, could we say it's a more of a, a window into our lives? You know, at the end of the day, I think Daisy Jones and the Six was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> friends we made all along the way. Yeah. That, so that that's that's interesting though. I I I didn't realize that it was going to be framed in this like 
mock interview type way. You know, a lot of older books used to do that. Like a lot of the like classics, like Frankenstein and, and Dracula and stuff. It was always letters. You were always yeah, reading yeah. letters written by characters. So I'm assuming within this like frame, uh, we're going to find out bit by bit from Daisy. But like, it begs the question: Is she a reliable narrator? Ooh, that that is good. Um, well, it looks like there's there's not just one narrator because it is it's shot like a documentary. It's it's written like a documentary would be shot. So right. it's it's these interviews with biographers biographers who have written about Daisy Jones right. and the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Daisy Jones herself is interviewed. Mm. Um, so it's kind of coming from that angle, and you kind of have to take. I, I I assume that when you're reading it, we find out the vested interest these people have to the right. story and their unique lens. So obviously, you know, Daisy Jones might not review. Like we have to test her honesty right. about this. Uh, Elaine Chang, biographer, has something riding on this, um, you, so that could be interesting. You know what I thought was funny? What, I, what if like, cause cause judging a book by its cover, famously, right? The first episode, famously, does not. We will not Wikipedia this book, right? That's against our morals. We will not try and find, like, the whole summary of this book. Yeah, we definitely didn't do that in preparation for this, <laughs> trying to figure out what happened. Right, exactly. So, what if the entire, like, what if the first paragraph, right, not the first paragraph that we read was, like, that framing, but what if the rest of the book wasn't like that? What if it was just, like, the first chapters that? It could, it could very well be. It's intercut. So, how about this? It's intercut with... Uh, the true tale and Daisy Jones herself is actually lying about what happens. It's a murder mystery novel. Oh my gosh. Right? So Daisy Jones is framed for this murder, right? And Elaine Chang is interviewing her in prison. Right? That's that's so good. So you you get Daisy's point of view of, oh, I'm just a rock star. I'm just having fun. I'm just doing drugs, you know, like normal people do, right? And then... Elaine Chang is like, what really happened? And then you go inside, like, the next chapter is you actually go inside, like, a third person, like, the eye of God, like, looking at Daisy. And it's, like, her meeting with Billy and the Six and her quest to, like, murder them. I just, I hope that the the book doesn't, like, go into a stereotypical realm of super group, has it all, like, an oasis kind of situation mm-hmm. where... They reach the peak of, of fame and then it all just falls apart. I hope there's a little more more to that. I am maybe the covering up of this murder is what actually it, right. It's it's the frame, right? It's like yeah. instead of the instead of the stereotypical um that's why it's on Reese's book club, right? She was expecting the stereotypical run of the mill. All the, the the candle they burned the flame too brightly and extinguished their flame too early. They died when they were young. It's not that they died when they were young, they were killed when they were young. It's by a, Daisy Jones. It's a mix between Gone Girl and A Star Is Born. Right. Instead of Daisy and or Billy and or the Six killing themselves, Daisy and or Billy and or the Six are the ones that do the killing. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and judge this book. I think we've got some good theories going. Right. Um. So our rating system goes. The lowest of the low, we wouldn't buy it. 
dime store romance. Mm -hmm. Then we move up to the next category, which is passable. Is that what we're going to call it? It's, it's something that you won't seek out. You won't try and read it, but like, if you have nothing else to do, you might read it. And we're, we're calling that generic young adult cover. Cover, exactly. Um, and then the next step up is you you like it. You like it. So it's your dad's favorite sci-fi novel. It's right. lying around the house. You've seen it a lot. It's, it's popular. It was it, popular in the 80s. Right. It's like it's like this fun, it's this fun cover, but like also it's it's problematic today. You know, it's like the it's like the 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 male like hero, like saving the heroine from like like a, a monster or something like it's it's really like it's really well done but at the same time you're like mm, i don't know about that <laughs> all right and then the 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 pinnacle of our rating system is you know that this is the gatsby of our generation exactly the eyes of god looking down upon you know the reader if you will it's um it's not instant classic it's it was rejected at first by its critics and then renown uh 20 years later that right. that's the category we're talking about right all right so, so matt what do you give this book so i'm thinking um <clears throat> i think i have two ratings in mind for this one particularly if it's going to go like we think it's going to go which is stereotypical candle burns too brightly the life gets cut too short that's tragic because they're so famous they're at the top of the world but they fall i think i'd have to give that a dime store romance novel rating Ooh, that is harsh yeah that's harsh i'm so sick and tired of seeing that but here's the caveat and this is a huge jump up i feel like if it actually is a frame story about a murder mystery right surrounding daisy which honestly, never going to read it. Hope it is right, and hope the readers out there really enjoy it. I think it's uh, your dad's favorite sci-fi novel. Mm, I could see that. I could see that. I was actually going to go young adult, young adult cover. Wow! So you're in between the two. I know Reese Witherspoon herself has endorsed this book. Right. It is number thirty-six in the top one hundred best-selling books on Amazon right now. Right. I think it's a fad. I think it's we're gonna forget about it. It's gonna be a generic young adult cover. And and I'm not trying to, um, you know, like per, per se, like like uh, crap on this demographic. But like, how many of those people are like moms at the grocery store, right? Like buying the book, you know. And and that that's fine. Like you, whatever, do you buy buy whatever books you want to? I'm not I'm not like crapping on their their entertainment but also like how many people are buying the book solely based off of reese witherspoon's recommendation i mean her recommendations are basically like going to the the uh the oracle at delphi you know but at the same time like how many people are buying that you know all right i think that covers it for daisy jones and the six right the proverbial daisy jones and the six so for the next book that we are going to review. It is the Priory of the Orange Tree. Now, this one seems interesting, right? The, the front cover itself is uh, bright orange, right? And It is an orange tree. Right, it's bright orange, invocative in of the orange tree. And there's a cathedral top, or maybe a tower of some kind. A spire of sorts. A spire with a point. 
and at the top is this coiling like mishmash of eastern slash western dragon right it's like this this green slash blue uh dragon that looks like you take what the american idea of a dragon is and take what the idea of like a like a like a chinese dragon is and kind of mismatched and he's coiled around the tower and he looks like he's um roaring and there's like some spittle coming out and possibly the orange is fire it okay so to me it definitely looks like fire in the background and right. i think the the background of the dragon excuse me dragon are juxtaposed we have the fire in the back, and then the dragon invokes this feeling of raging water. Right. Um, he's like cool. very blue, mm. um, and like he's like the foamy. white of the waves coming off. Right. He's like foamy at the top, like his his big scales, like on the top of his head, like his mane is like looking kind of foamy. It's like white, right? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And we can't we can't forget written. So this book is written by Samantha Shannon. Not familiar with her, but apparently she wrote the bone season series is that right it's an interesting title right i uh i'm wondering if the two series connect Ooh, they might quite possibly and this one also has a novel in its title so let's look at the let's read out the summary right it says uh from the internationally best-selling author of the bone season an epic feminist fantasy perfect for fans of game of thrones which is what bustle.com said okay um it says a world divided a queendom without an heir an ancient enemy awakens the house of barithnet has ruled ennis for a thousand years still unwed queen sebran the ninth must conceive a daughter to protect her realm from destruction but assassins are getting closer to her door iad durian <laughs> is a fantasy names is an outsider at court Though she has risen to the position of lady-in-waiting, she is loyal to the hidden society of mages. Iad keeps a watchful eye on Sabran, secretly protecting her with forbidden magic. Ooh, wonder what magic that is. Forbidden. <laughs> Across the dark sea, Ta- Tanya has trained all her life to be a dragon rider, but is forced to make a choice that could see her life unravel. Meanwhile, the divided east and west refuse to parlay, and the forces of chaos are rising from their sleep. So we've got this this long-standing house, the House of Barathnet. Uh, they've been around for a long, long time. So we've got that family to think about. And the East and West are in war. And in the middle, we have this, this dragon rider, Tane. Um, and we also have Iad Durian, who's kind of an outsider type. It says she's risen to lady-in-waiting. Uh, are you familiar with? what lady in waiting means i'm assuming lady in waiting i think it is where she waits on the queen like she is like her personal handmaiden right i think that's what lady in waiting is so like think of the favorite the the main character in the favorite not the queen but the other one Mm -hmm. i think she's a lady in waiting oh okay yeah so we'll run with that right so i'm thinking we have three main characters right we might have more, but we have, so far in the, in the in the synopsis, we have three main characters. We have Queen Sabran, which is the queen of the West, I'm assuming. Uh, it doesn't say exactly. I, hmm, 
Yeah, so she's either the queen of the west or the east. It so, says she's unwed and is ha- she must conceive a daughter to protect her realm from destruction. But assassins are getting closer to her door, mm. right? So she's either not a great queen, or there's just like super evil people out there trying to kill her. There's probably loyalists to if if we're assuming that she's of the west. There's probably eastern loyalists. Right. right? They're trying to trying to usurp her. And yes. then so the Ead character, right? Mm-hmm. She's she's an outsider. She's practicing. She's an outsider because she practices forbidden. Magic. And she's protecting the queen from being assassinated. Right. And she she keeps so it says she, right. She keeps a watchful eye on her. And then I'm assuming because she is loyal to that hidden society of mages that the, it's always like Queen Sabran likes her, but the rest of the court are like, I don't know about her. She's a mage. You know, maybe mages in this world are like not oppressed, but like they're kind of looked down upon. It says she belongs to a hidden society. So they're definitely not mainstream. Like, they're, right. They're not, they're not out in the open anymore. Exactly. And so across the dark sea, so we're assuming if they're part of the West, right? The Iad Durian and the Queen Sabran, then across the dark sea, Tanya, Tane, whatever, has trained all of her life to be a dragon rider. So we're assuming that there are dragons in this world, right? As the cover and the book, maybe possibly dragons in this world. So just based off the description and the statement of across the sea, I'm getting some strong Westeros Essos. Versus Essos vibes. Right. Um, and that possibly Tane is a, um, oh my goodness, I can't Like a Targaryen. Name. A Targaryen. She's uh, a conqueror. Yeah. She, she might come along. She could be the ally in the east of Queen Sabran. If Queen Sabran's good now. We don't know if Queen Sabran's good or bad. So let's let's look inside. Let's actually peek inside and read the first paragraph of the Priory of the Orange Tree. Oh, so you know it's a good book because like as soon as we open it up, there's a map. It's Empire of the Twelve Lakes. Okay, so we're assuming this is one of the kingdoms, right? There's like a western. There's two eastern looking dragons like Yin and Yang on the cover. So chapter one is called Stories of Old. Oh, that's a revelation quote. Oh, it's a revelation quote. Okay. So got some Bible. Oh, number one's the East. Okay. So, the stranger came out of the sea like a water ghost, barefoot and wearing the scars of his journey. He walked as if drunk through the haze of mist that clung like spider silk to Seki. Right? I'll let, I'm going to keep reading. Uh, the stories of old said water ghosts were doomed to live in silence, that their tongues had shriveled along with their skin, and that all that dressed their bones was seaweed, that they would lurk in the shallows, waiting to drag the unwary to the heart of the abyss. And abyss is capitalized, so that's like a big deal for them. It's a... It's an actual place. It's a place. The it's abyss a pronoun. Is a place, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, let's go ahead and just read this next one about Tane. Okay, Tanya had not feared those tales since she was a small child. Now her dagger gleamed before her. It's curved like a smile, and she fixed her gaze on the figure in the night. Oh, wow. Okay, so she's kind of dangerous. She's right. dangerous already. All right. So, so we have these water ghosts. That's interesting. So I'm ass- so by by the name, right, that clung like spider silk to, to Seki, right? I'm assuming what it's, is Seki? it's Eastern. I'm assuming because that's very Japanese. Okay. You know, Seki. Iki, say Iki. Um, and there are tales of uh, water spirits in Japanese mythology. So I'm assuming Tanya is from the East. 
dragon rider. That makes sense. So maybe dragons are inherently an eastern beast, right? Could be. What do you think? You think maybe, um, right? Maybe the the Western civilization is like industrial, possibly. Probably more modernized. Right. There's less force. That's why the mages are hiding out because magic is limited or. It's yeah, it's, it, I think it's tying into these themes of that, like the West has kind of forgotten the ways of the magic, and the right. East still holds true to to these ways, and they still have dragons, and basically the people in the West are are cynical, and uh, they're more rational. Very problematic. Very problematic. First reading of this book, right? We're already orientalizing the East a little bit. I mean. Right. And yeah. I, listen, we're not. We're not. Oriented. That's definitely not us. That's, that's not our own biases. That's out. that is not our own biases. That is definitely the 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 cursory glance of Amazon. I mean, who knows? Samantha Shannon could be the most progressive person in the world. We 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 don't know. Right. We can't know. We can't look any more information up. We're solely based on the Amazon. So let's let's. What do you think is going to happen in the story? What do you think the ending is going to be? I'm already, I'm already calling it. The queen has the kid. Like she's she's gonna conceive the child. Really? I th- I think so. I thought she wouldn't conceive the child. Well, okay. So if she doesn't conceive the child, do you think the kingdom like falls apart? Because it said, let's go back to that really quick. So, um, she must conceive the daughter to protect the realm from destruction. Right. Why Why do you think that is? Like, uh, I'm thinking since it's uh perfect for fans of Game of Thrones. We got a little bit of a political intrigue. I'm thinking Ead Durian kills the queen. Oh, wow. Okay, so the queen's own protector... Kills her. ...realizes that the only way to save the kingdom... Is to kill the queen. Is And ultimately bringing the kingdom down. Right. Seems like. Possibly this dragon rider, Tanya, right? She comes across the sea. What's up? This is definitely... First off, we have to say this is book one. It doesn't say it's a, it doesn't say it's a series. This is book one of at least a trilogy. Yeah, they're not gonna they're not gonna finish it off. They, uh, it's an eight hundred page fantasy novel. It's got to be book one of a trilogy, possibly spanning multiple series. Probably, probably spanning multiple series. Right. No, nobody has time for this. Nobody has time to read eight hundred pages. Eight hundred pages so that, is a lot. That's what we're here for. We're here to give you a cursory glance on Amazon and to tell you what the ending of this book is. Possibly the ending of the series. So yeah, you're definitely not... Well, we're assuming you're not going to read 800 pages. So we're going to, in a sense, read them for you by telling you how this book ends. Right, by telling you how it ends by reading a paragraph. And that's going to work out perfectly. We're definitely going to be 100%... 100% accurate. Like, I don't think... In, in all of all of the the one conversation that we had just a minute ago, we weren't wrong. No, we that was that we was covered everything. Un, every single thing was a hundred percent accurate. So, Iad Durian, she's going to kill Queen Sabran, right? And and let's already we got to get it out of the way. Bullshit fantasy names, you got to love them, right? Yeah, they're not they're they're not the worst, but they're they're down there. She just she just puts them into a, like a website and just like it calculates what the most bullshit name possible can be, and then that's it. It's the fantasy we name. We got the House of Berethnet. Berethnet. I just don't what like What does that net. even mean? I don't like net. Right. At all. Ber- choose one. Right? Yeah, Durian. Cho- choose one. You get one. The house of Bereth or the house of net. And also one with Yad Durian. You can't have both. Right? Call her Yad Smith. You know? Call her Durian Smith. Not Yad Durian. 
That's ridiculous. What what kind of listen, Tanya? Is that supposed to be like foreign? I I don't know. It has a um what you call it? Um a tilde or no, what's the where is it? It has like the the inye or accent the, mark or the whatever. accent mark over the e, right? So yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like Tanya. It's supposed to be foreign. It's supposed to be exotic. It's supposed to be exotic. She's a dragon rider after all. She right? is a dragon rider. So let's say what do you th- what do you think? So so okay, explain like say the she's pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. What happens after? What do you think? Is that the end of the book? <sighs> okay, so since this is a series, right? My theory is that a three part series. A three part. Each book's gonna be longer than the next, right? So it's be we, a thousand, have, we have twelve, twelve hundred. Exactly, we have eight hundred, and then the next is gonna be like a thousand, and the last one's gonna be a fifteen hundred page book. And this is definitely, I, I already see it. It's being made into a B movie. Like someone's gonna pick this up and make a, a crappy version of this it. This is this is Star's next series. This is what <laughs> they're trying to compete with Game of Thrones, so they're picking up whatever they can. You know, like sci-fi did that Shannara Chronicles, right? So this is this is Star's. Star's has got it. Right. Yeah, I already see it being written up. The contract. It's like you're greenlit. Let's go. Netflix hasn't even read this book, and they've already had a 22 episode order. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right. Okay. So what I think, I think, at the end of the first book, mm-hmm. they she she actually conceives. Right. She has the child, and then the child is whisked away to. To safety by Iad the protector. Okay. And then in the following books, the child rises up, is like taught about the ways of the kingdom, and then comes back as like this returning conqueror. But Tane might be this child's rival in the future. Right. We could like learn to love Tane uh-huh. and learn to like her character, but then we're conflicted because she's opposing this this child as she grows up. Right. So where does it ultimately end up, you think, the trilogy? Like at the end of the series? Right. Oh, man. Um, and this is just the first series. Like we haven't even talked about the spinoffs or the other series. You got any ideas, Matt? So this is a, this is what I'm thinking, right? I'm thinking um, he had Durian. She kills Queen Sabran, right? Okay, and so she doesn't have a child. Well. Oh, okay. Hold oh, on. Uh, <laughs> So Queen Sabran does have the child in secrecy, right? Iad Durian uh, kills, and it's like shocking, right? Everyone's like hunting her. That's the second book, right? Everyone's hunting Iad Durian. She's like, half the book is her like being hunted, and the other half is Tanya's training, right? People trying to kill Tanya. And it could also be the people like trying to figure out like how to rule the house of Barathnet. Or, or the the king sorry the king of Innis right Innis so Iad's running away and then she actually into the second book beginning of the third it turns out that Queen Sabran did have a child but knowing that the child was going to die from the assassins right told Iad Durian to kill her right and to get the child and to train the child in the secret mage village that Iad's a part of, right? And then Iad and the mages t- team up with Tanya to overthrow the evil people in the, the capital. There we go, yeah. I it's think we've close. already figured it out. Yeah, that's a, that's a dec- decent ending. That's a decent ending. And if we're going to, like, Robert Jordan Wheel of Time it, the next series, right? Because it's, it's, there's got to be more than three, right? 
The next series is it being cyclical. The child has to go through that again. Mm. Guess we're gonna have to review the the series next. Right. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead. Just to remind you guys, we have Dime Store Romance, generic young adult cover, your dad's favorite sci-fi, and the Gatsby of our generation as our options for ratings. Uh, Matt, go ahead and and give your rating for this book. Listen, I am absolutely a sucker for fantasy novels, right? Like, I love a good map. As soon as you open the page and you crack it open, you see a map, and you're like, oh, wow, this is great. Not loving the East versus West mentality. Not loving that. A little problematic. North for the South. North for the South is fine. Perfect. Perfect. Exactly. Right? You know, or maybe like a Western power in the East fighting the West. I don't like the East versus West. There's power. not enough Northwest versus Southeast right. factions here. We right. need we more can, we diagonal factions. The middle of one ocean versus the middle of another ocean. Perfect. No problems. Zero no problems. biases. Right. Not even like different. We're not even like going to remotely tie them into any cultures in the world. So I'm giving it dime store romance novel. You know what? I'm going to go the same way. I this too problematic. This book has dime store romance written all over it, based off what we read. Did not seem like it was written to a high level. We're talking like fifth grade reading level. Um, you know, 800 pages. A lot of pages. It's an 800-page dime store romance novel. You walk in, nobody is buying this. One could say that the Priory of the Orange Tree, right, is canceled. It's canceled from 2019. I think it, it just, what's the reverse of getting greenlit? That's like. It's canceled. Yeah, it's canceled. It's, 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 it's red lit at that point. It's not lit at that point. I want to see where this book ranks. Where this book oh, ranks. I, I, okay, to, to confirm our statement that this is indeed a dime store romance novel. It is number 866 in top-selling books. Wow. What, but it's also, what's interesting about this, though, is it's number two in both LGBT fantasy fiction and LGBT coming-of-age fiction, right? So maybe it's not as problematic as we thought. Maybe it's not as problematic in that area, right? So we can half-cancel it, right? You think we can half-cancel it? Half-cancel it. It's, it's half-cancel uh, I think it just goes to show that maybe these categories are super niche. Uh, you probably don't have a lot of LGBT fantasy fiction or right. coming of age, which fictions. is unfortunate. You know, we it need, is what it is. Right now, we need to change that. We, I think, I think, uh, I think Shannon is is changing that. Samantha Shannon. Samantha Shannon is definitely that. changing it, but also just, she's got some problematic views about the East versus West. Please don't make another eight hundred page book. Well, well, that's the thing, right? So, like, these fantasy novels are all, like, 800 pages, right? And also, look at the price of that hardcover. It's, it, well, list price was $32. So list price was $32. That knocked I'm, it down to nineteen twenty. How much of the Game of Thrones novels aren't even that much, right? No, you can get them really cheap. Right. We have to wait for the paperback, the $10. The paperback! Oh, my God! The paperback's eighteen eighty four. You know how much all fancy paperbacks are supposed to be? Ten dollars, nine ninety nine. That's the MSRP. Well, she wrote two books and put them in a one. You you are right. She did indeed, but it is it's the first book of a trilogy, right? And so, how many eighteen eighty four books are do you have to buy? Three at minimum, the very least. Minimum three. Not even talking about the spinoffs or the encyclopedias. Yeah, so that kind of I think this kind of seals the book's fate. It's too expensive, too long. Even if it is a genuinely interesting novel um it's still the worst 
it's gonna take forever to read and and you're not gonna get people to buy it like it's just rough yeah it's the cover is the best part the cover is the best part yeah if we were judging solely based you know the name of the podcast judging a book by its cover if we were just judging it based off the cover it would be the best book ever written probably yeah, right? instant classic instant classic yeah it would be it's the the gatsby of our generation but that's not what this podcast is about it's about judging it by its cover and the synopsis and the first paragraph right <laughs> which is clearly inferred by the title <laughs> which is clearly inferred by the title exactly well if all these if all these books can put a novel at the end of their title we can put that at the end of our title so our new podcast name is judging a book by its cover a novel <laughs> <laughs> judging a book by its cover ellipses also, it's summary on Amazon. Also, the first paragraph of the look inside. So, I really want to know, what did we end up choosing for the intro music? Oh, the What int- royalty-free music did we choose? Right, we could go to, like, uh, KennethJenkins.com, right? Like, he just some random, like, white dude name that just does a bunch of royalty-free music. And he's like, this evokes, this evokes the name, of, like, this evokes the Middle Ages, right? And he's just like... Go for it. It's very generic, but it's free. How about? I think we need to come up with our own, our own intro music, right? Just sing our own, like karaoke, like go out drinking and then have the intro music us just singing karaoke. Judging a book by its cover. Also by summary description <laughs> and free pages and, and free pages by Amazon. Jeff Bezos, you're canceled. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for joining us on our first ever edition of Judging a Book by Its Cover. I've been Josh. And I've unfortunately been mad. And uh, thanks for sticking with it for 41 minutes, 42 minutes. And we will see you next episode. Bye. Bye then.